that would be a hallmark of a Shane game, wouldn't it? Yep, or as hell. <laughs> and Shane is a GM, also hell. Dangerous Forger's Den in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 216 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're continuing our series on playing non-human characters, and we're talking about changelings. But first, the rogue traders make another deal in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the American lives multiple lives at the same time in the Character Creation Forge. Total Party Thrill is brought to you this week by our friends at Cobalt Press. Do you want to learn how to game master, world build, run combat, design games, and more from the pros? I especially want to learn and more. Could you teach me all about it? Ooh, I'm an expert in and more. <laughs> oh, uh, good. From improv. Well, then you'll want to check out the multiple any winning Cobalt guides over at ColboPress.com. Not a mean feat winning in any. So I hear. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. I no idea. So I just hear it's like pretty tough to do. Nearly impossible. <laughs> what I hear is the nomination is the honor. <laughs> so each guide covers a broad topic and includes advice from multiple industry pros like Keith Baker, Shauna Germain, Monica Valatinelli, Wolfgang Bauer, Margaret Weiss, Rob Schwab, and many more. There's a kobold guide for almost every topic. Magic, plots, campaigns, even board game design. And each of these tomes is chock full of advice, valuable to newcomers and veteran gamers alike. So, you can find out more at koboldpress.com and pick up the book that is right for you. Hey, so maybe some of you are listening to us right after listening to us because we just streamed on Twitch last night. Uh-huh. We had the first session of our Band of Blades campaign uh, over on the DSPN Twitch channel. Uh, it's a pretty new Forged in the Dark game system where the good guys lost. And you are a mercenary company uh, on the march running away from the undead army that defeated you. So uh, it's been pretty fun so far. I think we've got some pretty cool characters, although don't get too attached to them because we'll see how long each of them actually lives. Indeed. Um, so if you want to watch, it is available in the uh, like video on demand on the DSPN channel. There'll be a link in the show notes, and you can catch us next week, uh, next Wednesday night, um, 7 p.m. I'm over on the DSPN Twitch channel. And for about 12-ish more Wednesdays after that. Don't worry, this is not going on forever. <laughs> All right, speaking of, I don't know, going on forever, Shane, where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And on the Death World Iblis Prime in the frontier city of Meridian, the Rogue Traders have set out to establish a colony in the name of the Holy Throne of Terra and Prophet. But first, we've been psychically commuting with an Eldar spirit seer who doesn't use real money. <laughs> right. And that's really the most disappointing thing about her, not that she's a creepy warp witch. Uh-huh. Yeah, she uh, she does not want to pay you in traditional cash money, 
um, but no. does want you to locate the ancient burial grounds of the Eldar Exodites on the planet so that she can siphon the souls from the world spirit of Iblis Prime to power her craft world's wraith engines. Uh, and because we don't care about uh, the eternal rest of Eldar souls, fortunately, once those souls are gone, we're hoping that this terrible death world will become a just regular terrible world that we can more easily colonize <laughs> it'll, it'll be terrible but that's because you've colonized it oh yeah don't you worry concrete <laughs> as far as the eye can see so uh you have more or less agreed to this uh now you just need to come to terms as to what you're actually going to be doing so yes we need to agree uh, on terms and then we need to come to terms with it <laughs> well you'll have to come to terms with that for the rest of your life <laughs> Short as it may be. So what are you going to do? All right. So we have agreed that we will search the living jungle of Iblis Prime, which sucks. But uh -huh. we've also already done a pretty good job of like figuring out how to survive in the jungle. Uh, and we will look for the Eldar Barrows, the burial place of these uh, Eldar Exodites, and help the Spirit Seer activate her ritual once we've located it. And then, when the ritual is complete, um, once you have, you know, expedited the ritual, the Eldar Exodites in the Cloud Barrens, the, the ones who are still living on the planet, should be easier to convince to leave. Um, what with, you know, the world spirit being dead and their souls being condemned if they die. Um, and then they will, uh, should be able to resettle a different planet with a dead world spirit, whatever, not your problem. Um, either way, the Spirit Seer will be closing the portal in the webway, and that will help secure the planet not only from the Eldar, but also secure the Eldar from you on this planet. I think Trank didn't quite realize until right now that there was a webway portal here on this planet. Uh-huh. Uh, so bonus for closing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's just a, a door that says demons enter here. Yeah, like, I feel like Trank was very much like, no, 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 don't do this. We don't want them sending ships into know where we are. Like, and it was like, oh, there's a webway portal. Oh, yeah, no, no, get them out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm on board. Let's do this. <laughs> they already know we're here. <laughs> what was that, Exterminatus? Yep, cool. <laughs> All right. More importantly, though, once the world spirit is actually dead... Eblis Prime's natural defenses will finally calm down. Uh-huh. Less death world, more dangerous world. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe frontier world. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe someday even forge world. That's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely don't want to be a fortress world. That's where There's no money there. Oh, that's the worst. Although the only person we have who could turn it into a forge world is our heretic. Yeah. So I don't know that I want a heretical forge world. Well, it's it's a it's a short-term profit versus long-term profitability play, you know? Like you got to get your cash out now because you don't want to be stuck holding the bag when that heresy takes over. Nope, you don't want to be stuck holding that bag when it turns into a demon prince. <laughs> We're already stuck with this heretic. He's going to turn into a demon prince anytime now. So, with that haunting knowledge and grim view of the future, the rogue traders of Roth Enterprises set off once more into the deadly jungle to find an Eldar burial ground. And we'll find out what happens next. Next week. This week, we are returning to our series on playing non-human characters as we discuss changelings. Hey, it's about time because they are the last Eberron-specific race that we have yet to cover. And good thing, too, huh? Uh, yeah, because... 
they could have been any of these other races. It's good to it's good to have the full ouvroir before you kind of try to play the pretender. Yes, it's very true. Uh, also, in November, the official five the Eberron sourcebook, Eberron Rising from the Last War will be out. We will have a full cover to cover review. I think well before it actually comes out on shelves so you'll know whether or not you want to buy it but also now with this episode you'll be fully prepared to play all these fabulous new races mm-hmm. all right so changelings if you don't know changelings are humanoid shapeshifters that some say are descended from doppelgangers so they can change their appearance that is includes their face their coloring their height their weight their voice and their sex at will making them very accomplished spies, charlatans, and tricksters. Mm-hmm. They're just naturally prone to being good people then, huh? Uh, yes, yes, they're all kind and good souls. Okay, and I don't know why you would assume anything other than that, Shane. Wait, hang on. Are you Ishan, or are you a changeling who has taken Ishan's spot? Uh, I guess you'll never know. Dang. You know, also, we're uh, recording this remotely, so uh, this could be a deep-faked video. Uh-oh. Judging by the way Hangouts is uh, behaving on the bandwidth front, it very well might be. <laughs> it's, it's doing it in real time. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So on Eberron, uh, changelings are said to have been giving the blessing of the traveler to protect them from their enemies. So aside from small, relatively isolated changeling communities, most of them are living in secret amongst the other races, right? Pretending, passing, etc. Uh, there are stories of changelings all across Corvair. You know, sometimes these are like fairy stories, fairy tales, or sometimes they're stories that, you know, parents tell uh, their kids to scare them, you know, be good or changelings will come steal you away and you steal your face and, you know, replace you. Right. But cosmopolitan people in the cities know that changelings actually exist. Um, they're actually like a true breeding race and the governments and spy organizations actively recruit them because duh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'd be leaving money on the table if you <laughs> All right, so history of changelings, publication-wise, doppelgangers have been around as monsters in D&D since the old days of Greyhawk. You mm-hmm. know, these are those shapeshifters who can read thoughts, and you know they typically assume the identity of anyone they kill. I'm pretty sure they were, like, one of the high-end uh, villains, uh, like, villainous factions in the original Baldur's Gate. Oh, interesting. I never got that far. Uh, yeah, because you got, you got too bored. Uh, you were like, <laughs> miniature giant space hamster, done. <laughs> I can kill yeah. Trist? Cool. Swapping to CD2 is just too much work for me. Oh, yeah, also because you lost it. Well, right, <laughs> like, yeah. Where did it go? <laughs> there are five CDs. How do you lose the second <laughs> one? All right, so like shifters, changelings were an attempt to bring playable doppelgangers to Eberron in 2004. So they lost the telepathic abilities, and their shapeshifting is like seriously toned down, much like the changes that got made for lycanthropes to become shifters. They're basically like half doppelgangers or half shifters, right? Yeah, and that's one of the stories that's uh, told in game about like where they came from. Although I think changelings might disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so originally they didn't have any ability score changes. They sort of had the same ability scores as humans, right? Because hey, you're so adaptable and you can do anything. Until everybody realized that having no ability score increases sucks. Uh, so they got a charisma and a dexterity bump in fourth edition D anD. d In five E, they first appeared in Unearthed Arcana. And then in the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, and the very final version of them is in Eberron Rising from the Last War, along with all the other Eberron-specific races, the Kalistar, the Warforged, and the Shifter. So what are some reasons to play a changeling? Well, first off, 
you play a changeling if you want to be the character who always, always fits in no matter where you go. A changeling can belong anywhere. You can be welcomed as an old friend by someone you have absolutely never met before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this is, you know, this is like the fun, gregarious changeling. uh, The if like if you are a player who wants to be able to like don new hats whenever you want, or you know, you want to be the face, but like being a face just isn't quite enough. You want to be all the faces, right? The changeling is for you. I think the. the converse of that is if you want to be the outsider, right? Like people are wary of changelings. If you find out that somebody is a changeling, like they are not going to like you. They might even just try to kill you. So you could play the the, the character who is always sort of on the brink, right? Nervous about being discovered. Right. And you can play that middle ground too. You can be uh, a character who has to deal with all that in, in-game prejudice, right? You have these abilities, you have um, these these uh, positive aspects that make it easy for you to slip into places for to pretend to be people. But at the same time, you're always pretending. Because for the most part, if you are um, honest about who you actually are and actually uh, being a changeling, then people are going to hate you. Um, you. You have to wonder, am I public about my identity? Uh, am I public about my identity with particular people or in particular places or particular times? What are the legal protections for me? Like, if you're playing in Ebron, for example, in Breland, there are some legal communities of changelings. In Droam, there aren't, there's only only really martial law, so it's fine. But if you're in Karnath, uh, you probably need to be really quiet about it or you're definitely going to be forced into government service. Yeah, you could be the face of the changeling rights movement. You could be all the faces of the changeling rights movement. That's even better. <laughs> um, you might also want to play a character that needs to prove themselves to be trustworthy. Um, perhaps just to your allies, right? You might be an outsider in that way, um, even among friends. Or, you know, more broadly, prove that changelings are trustworthy, right? To the entire world that you are a trustworthy person and, and changelings can be too. Yeah, I like the idea of, you know, you've worked yourself into a, a very, like, high position um, who, like, has the ear of important people. And then during your press conference, you unmask yourself. I've been a changeling all along. You already trust me. Also, I, I run the Secret Service. So, you know, if you try to shoot me, I, I don't care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we own the grassy knoll. Uh, and you can be a changeling if you want to switch between multiple personas. This is the one that I probably like the most. There are many changelings who rotate through a particular set of identities that they use over and over again for a specific task or a purpose. So you might be a changeling who lives multiple different lives as different people in tandem sort of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or you can be you know, an adventurer and you have different personas, different faces with different personalities that you bring out depending on what you're going to do like you have your fighter persona who like likes to fight and likes to draw blood and if we're going to set an ambush like i'm going to turn into this person or you have the craftsman persona who's a totally different person totally different race uh who like is studious and you know uh, really prefers woodworking right so as we do with all of these, uh, we are going to talk about the the general changeling, right? What is the average changeling like? And when you're thinking about like your physiology or culture, consider are you a changeling who adheres to the norm or someone who pushes against it? Where do you fall in the spectrum? So the main uh, ability that affects the physiology of changelings is that you're always changing shape. 
Um, you can do it at will. It happens pretty quickly. You can basically like walk behind a curtain and then come out the other side looking like a different person. Right. It doesn't take like an hour to change. Uh, you don't have to refresh it on like a short or long rest or anything like that. You can do it at will as much as you want anytime. Um, of course, this does not change your stats at all. So you can look stronger, but that doesn't actually make you stronger. What's that? Just hypertrophy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all water weight. <laughs> Uh, it also doesn't change your clothes or your gear. So if you do change forms into something significantly different, your old clothes may not fit anymore. Uh, you might need to carry extra clothing or find magical gear that can change with you. And consider, like, even very small changes can affect whether important things fit on you. If you are emulating a married person uh, who is wearing a wedding ring and then you change into a different person who's even slightly different in height or weight, the ring that is currently on your finger and is non-magical might not fit anymore. It might be extremely tight. It might be so loose it might fall off. These are all mm -hmm. things you need to consider if you're going to maintain a proper deception. Uh, the other thing is that you can change your sex at will, though your character may or may not change their gender identity in the process. Um, and, and it even goes so far that you can like impregnate somebody as a male changeling and then in turn, get pregnant as a female changeling. The only time you can't change sex is if you're pregnant. Yeah, this is actually one of the sort of like biggest restrictions for a changeling. It's, yeah, it's the only time in your life when you're not going to be able to shift into any form that you want at will. And it's actually kind of dangerous, right? Um, aside from the like traditional need to hide yourself, um, you now have sort of cut off half of the options for identities that you could take on. And if you have set personas that are male, those just aren't accessible to you for a good nine months. I mean, I guess if you're like trying to have a baby, though, you know really, really quickly whether or not it works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like wake up in the morning and try and change. Oh, I guess it, guess it took. <laughs> Didn't work at all. Uh, the other thing is, when you die, you revert to your natural form. So if you are trying to hide yourself um, and you do actually die, the secret is out, uh, which can certainly be an issue if, you know, you're just a changeling in a community who dies of old age and uh, now everybody knows. But uh, if you're an adventurer who may occasionally get resurrected from the dead, something to keep in mind. Right. So to go along with this, your base stats, you will get plus two to charisma and then an option to have a plus one intelligence or plus one dexterity. And then you'll get a smattering of skills that you can pick from. It's a pretty useful list that makes you better at fooling people or reading other people so that you know how best to fool them. Uh, in terms of languages, um, you this wasn't always the case. Um, you didn't always get additional languages in fourth edition, um, but you do get extra languages now, which makes it very easy to pass as like other races, right? Like an elf or a dwarf or an orc or something like that. Like you now can know those languages off the bat. Yeah, I had a four range changeling, and I had to basically like bend over backwards to figure out how they were going to speak elvish because one of their personas was an elf, and I was just like, I. <sighs> It's going to be so obvious that I'm not really an elf. Right. <laughs> also consider that you don't have dark vision. Uh, this is pretty tough in 5th edition, actually, because almost every other race does. Uh, so as an elf or as a dwarf, 
you can't see in the dark. You, you're going to need to figure out ways to get around this, either to get dark vision, uh, to get an item that lets you see it, or to make sure that like nobody's going to notice that, that you're not going deep into dwarven tunnels where there where there's no light. You know, above ground, it's, it's less of a big deal. Yeah, you got to like pour some potions of dark side into your uh, into your dwarven ale tankers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't get uh, wings in fifth edition. You can't like make wings or things like that. But you could, for example, emulate a triton. But that doesn't mean that you get their water breathing ability. So keep that in mind. You look like another race, but you can't necessarily do all the things that you do. You lack the other racial abilities of those creatures. So you want to avoid things that are going to make it super obvious that you're not like everyone else. Like if you're an Eladrin. You can't teleport unless you have some other means of teleporting. Right. So it's actually probably best usually to emulate a human or maybe like a half elf. Mm -hmm. In terms of culture, changelings are, as you might expect, not at all monolithic. There are many different types of changelings. Uh, And in the lore, there's some, maybe not disagreement, there there are different takes on changelings. Uh, there's the old 3.5 Races of Eberron book that lists a bunch of different things. And then Keith Baker himself has said he was not involved in that book. So he sort of thinks of changelings and their philosophies in different kinds of ways. But we'll just sort of throw throw it all into a grab bag. So uh, first, you've got the foundlings, which are changelings who were raised by another race and don't necessarily know anything about being a changeling proper. Um, they might discover abilities on their own, or they might be driven out uh, by their like community, um, or they might leave to seek to understand who they are. Yeah, I think this is a good background for a a changeling adventurer who is seeking something, seeking more information. You know, on a on a personal quest of some kind. Uh, also, you know, it makes sense to be an adventurer when nobody likes you anymore because you're a, a creature from a fairy tale. Right. Uh, there are tribal changelings who live with other changelings while they are hidden in society at large. So you'll have a group or a family um, who act as maybe itinerant merchants or they live as a family unit in a town and just nobody else knows that they happen to be changelings. Yeah. They tend to be pretty suspicious of non-changelings. Um, this works really well for NPC groups of changelings. Uh, they're not really malicious, but... Because they are so insular, they often don't see tricking uh, what they call single skins as something that is ethically or morally wrong. Uh, They might also hand down oral traditions about changeling history. Um, There are some changelings who who sort of have like uh, very strong beliefs about uh, change and, and making sure that things can change. And of course, oral stories can change, but if you write things down, it's much more difficult. You're sort of trapping the story in, in this form that you have written down. Mm-hmm. So often the, like the bardic tradition is very strong. Uh, and then this is also how they, uh, talk about, you know, hand down cultural traditions and, uh, what, what rare religious traditions they have. Yeah. So worship of the traveler then, huh? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Who's a member of the dark six? <sighs> So then there are stable changelings who live in dedicated communities. These communities, as we talked about, are pretty rare. Um, there's the Lost in Droam. There are the Dragon Eyes in Sharn. There are the Grey Tide in the Lazar Principalities. Um, in these communities, like changelings can stay in their natural form. They don't have to take a face. Yeah. Uh, in certain places, like like in Sharn, they're legally protected. You know, you're allowed to be a changeling. In Droam, again, martial law. Um, but if you do have communities of changelings who are sort of living out in the middle of nowhere, 
probably uh, they're martially oriented because there's an excellent chance that if if like paladins of the silver flame roll up and find a whole town full of changelings, there's an excellent chance that there's going to be an inquisition. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, ever, when everyone can turn into a paladin of the silver flame, it can get very confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Changelings, no changelings here. We're just a small community of humble silver flame paladins. <laughs> yep, that's us. What? This is my farming implement. I have taken my sword and turned it into a plowshare, plow as is written. <laughs> you? I purged you. What? No, I purged you. What are you? We're all Spider-Man here. Um. Okay. So let's talk about some different changeling philosophies. Yeah, and there's some overlap with the uh, different kinds of changelings. These are the ones that are listed in, in Races of Eberron. There are passers who are usually not adventurers. Uh, they have one identity. They may even hate the fact that they are a changeling. They're probably a foundling who grew up and don't know any other changelings, and they, they don't know what they are, or they're afraid of their abilities, and they just want to have one identity. They just yep. want to be one person. They want to be that person, uh, and they strive as hard as they can to integrate and not show anybody or tell anybody that they are a changeling. Then there are the becomers who embrace their multiple identities, use the full sort of advantages granted to them by being changelings. Um, they don't have any qualms about switching, about deceiving. Like that is their life is having multiple identities. They might not even necessarily realize that like that deception like is deceiving, right? It's it's just like oh yes, no, I am I am these two people. Like that's fine. I yes, I am one changeling, but I am both of these people. I just live these two people at different times. Yeah, and I think that's that's important. If you're going to play a becomer, or you are like using a becomer as an NPC in your game, I think that is sort of like the central thing to realize in in order to like play them really well. Is you're not lying to these people. Like I am this dwarf, and I am this elf. I am both these people at at the same time, or like alternately, right? Right. And so, like, when I'm being the dwarf, I have these skills. I am a good blacksmith, and, like, I enjoy my ale because I am a dwarf who enjoys ale. Right. <laughs> but, like, when I leave and I go off, you know, into uh, into the neighboring neighbor community or whatever and adopt my elf identity, like, I am also an elf. Right. That's like, okay. Like, uh, Marcus has plantings to do, you know, but, of course, tomorrow, like... Uh, Albert the dwarf has a job interview. Both those things have to happen. I have right. responsibilities. Right. And and there is no like you can lose the sense of like core, right? The the singularity of self like you might have multiple selves. Of course some becomers don't feel that way. They are themselves and they use identities um as a means to an end. Right. Right, but you can have it both ways for sure. Yeah, yeah, there are some becomers who who sort of use identities as tools. Right. Um like I said before, I'm going to get in a fight. I will use the identity who's a good fighter and who, in fact, enjoys fighting and has a reputation for, like, being a pugilist here in this town. Right. You know, everybody knows me because I am that pugilist. But, of course, like, that person is not going to go, like, haggle for um, magic items or scrolls at the potion shop. My wizard identity is going to go do that because they're the one who knows all that stuff. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, there are reality seekers who are probably almost all uh, stable changelings who are proud of their natural form. Um, they either live in communities where all changelings are in their natural form and only really adopt other identities when it's necessary or when it's useful, uh, or they are an adventuring changeling who 
you know, is out and about and knows that they can protect themselves uh, and can, you know, handle themselves if they do encounter someone who doesn't like the fact that they're seeing a gray-skinned, white-haired humanoid. Right. Uh, kind of piggybacking on um, the becomers and multiple identities, keep in mind that an identity is itself malleable. Um, and therefore, so can the communities made up by those identities. Like, a single persona might actually be used by multiple changelings, um, depending on what it's being used for. You know, like... A group of changelings might play the dwarf merchant every day. Um, that way they can go do other things, but they always have one of them is the dwarf in the market from nine to five. Right. If there is the uh, leader persona in a town full of changelings and newcomers show up, okay, like one person is is that persona that pre- presents the face to the outside. If that person is sick or not available or dies even, uh, someone else takes on that persona. Right. Um or it could be like, this is the persona that uh, we all use when farming. We use the farmer persona. Right. Uh, sometimes they even get handed down through generations. You might inherit a persona from your parent who says, I have spent a long time cultivating this reputation, learning who this person is. I will teach you who this person is so that you can be them when I'm gone. You can inherit multiple personas from uh, other family members or friends. And I, I can even see like, uh, if your persona is an elf, why waste it once you're old? Changelings only live about as long as humans do. But that persona could last 700 years. Right. You might be the uh, the ninth changeling to have been this elf. Right. Uh, but, you know, they're a counselor in Sharn. And so everybody still knows them. And you still have the influence to, like, protect other changeling communities or to grow your wealth. Right. So in terms of religion... Um... Most of the religious changelings believe that they are children of the Traveler, who, as you mentioned, is a member of the Dark Six, meaning, you know, not necessarily, like, having to directly hide that you worship them, but can't exactly go around, like, thumping your chest in most areas about your belief in the Dark Six. Yeah, like, you know, not per- not especially pious people might be like, hey, I'm going to say a little prayer to the Traveler because I'm going on a journey, mm-hmm. right? But temples to the Traveler aren't really a thing. Right. Uh, now, you also just might not be very religious, or you might adopt traditions of wherever you are or whomever you're happening to impersonate, right? Like, if you're a becomer who is a faithful follower of the Sovereign Host, you're a faithful follower of the Sovereign Host while you are that persona. Yep. While you're that persona. Yep. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about family ties a bit. Uh, and, of course, this is going to depend on your particular changing's philosophy and living situation. Yeah, so I think uh, it's very common that changelings don't have any family or don't know any of their family. Um, they might not even know any other changelings, right? Just because of the nature of their abilities, uh, sometimes it's very difficult to find each other. Yeah, this actually might be one of the first races we've covered where um, the majority of the people that you know, or maybe every single other person that you know is not going to be your own race. And your family itself might be uh, another race because you might be a secret changeling or you may not even know that you were a changeling in the first place. Uh, now, changelings themselves, however, are a true breeding race. So if two changelings have a child, that child is a changeling. However, if a changeling has a child with someone of another of another race, it's 50-50. The 50% chance they'll be a changeling, 50% they'll be the other race. Now, what happens sometimes is you have people who either don't know that they are a changeling or uh, are a secret changeling and they have a child the problem with changeling children is that they can't control their shape un- until they're about two years old. It's, it's like potty training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're pretty quickly going to notice that 
your partner who doesn't know that you're a changeling has now given for given birth to like a fairly formless gray baby <laughs> who like likes to emulate faces right, right. so <laughs> turns into everybody's face that they look at very creepy so that's actually probably a good motivation for someone to basically go on the run right you had a kid mm. you were just hoping you crossed your fingers 50 percent chance they're going to be a human and they are not right um so what this means the the net result of that is that what you consider your family uh might be non-changelings or um might be tied to your persona right but not necessarily to you you your family like your children might be human um and you might have a human persona that is a part of that family but not necessarily you as a changeling being known right and you know when you are this persona right you're you're not always just acting you actually care about your friends and family you care about the reputation you care about getting better at the skills that that you are already good at and you care about um i mean i i could definitely see a, a changeling with multiple actual families mm -hmm. for sure um it probably easier as a male just because if you do get pregnant as a female changeling then you can't shift out of form and also like it's obvious that you're pregnant and so you'd have to get like both families that get pregnant at the same time right <laughs> <laughs> all right so what about your interactions with other people so i think first and foremost are other changelings right um which could be very strange you might never have met another changeling in your life um which is weird um you might see them as a threat or you might have like an immediate kind of kinship with them right um just kind of, I think. I think it depends on the context of how you are revealed to each other, um, and especially like whether you were revealed like purposefully or on accident. If you were betrayed, or or if they revealed themselves to you, if it was like an act of trust or whatever. Yeah, and then do you immediately reveal yourself too, or is this a trick? Right. Uh, with your friends and you know party members for example it's hard to keep it secret forever from the adventuring party you know and also even if you even if you want to your abilities are way too useful there are definitely going to be times almost always where you're like i could just impersonate the guard and that's really weird uh to either not use it all right or to explain away to other party members about how you did that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah You've you've got just like this old hat that you carry around with you, and it's like, oh no, it's a it's a cloak of disguise or a hat of disguise. Yeah, until that clutch moment when someone like grabs it and puts it on their own head, they're like, okay, don't worry, I'll be safe. Yeah, <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> it doesn't feel like I attuned to this. <laughs> uh, and then you know when you're using different personas, um, change the way that you act. Right? Like the funny persona might joke a lot more and the persona who works at a jail might be very dour or even cruel when mm. they're deciding what interactions they're going to have. So non-changelings, I think, is largely going to be driven towards or driven by your outlook um, on your place in society, right? Like you might look at non-changelings as like pitiful creatures, right? They have a single skin. Um, they can't change at all. That must be awful for them. Right. You are stuck. You are trapped. That must be so claustrophobic at all times. Uh, likewise, you might fear them because you have learned from interactions with them that they are dangerous, that they don't trust you, and that they can harm you, um, irrationally even. Yeah, this is uh, the storyline between uh, the... Uh, they were called Changeling, actually, uh, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
Hmm. Uh, they were shapeshifters who were so afraid of the solids, as they called them, that they basically just decided to take over the entire quadrant of the galaxy, build an empire so they'd be safe. Hey. Uh, curiosity, I think, is also uh, something that changelings will exhibit when dealing with other races just because how strange it must be to to be you but also mm-hmm. like i i want to gather new ways of looking at the world or maybe even new personas teach me a new thing that i can eventually do myself or you know <laughs> after you're dead maybe i'm actually going to be you and you know that can run the gamut all the way to viewing non-changelings as playthings, you know, people who can be easily tricked and easily manipulated or, you know, it's very easy to ruin someone's life just by looking like them. So your interactions with your enemies, I think, are mostly going to be pragmatic, um, you know, sort of a path of least resistance, least risky way of, of handling them, um, keeping in mind your allies might make useful assets, right? Like if you kill an enemy, you can always impersonate them. You can assume their identity. Um but that isn't the only way to compromise an enemy. Yeah, like it's easier to impersonate their superior and just give them an order to do a thing. Right. <laughs> like just turn them to your side. So we talked about uh, this already a bit, but reasons for adventuring as a changeling. The first obvious one is you're an outcast and you feel like you don't fit in. So you may as well go adventuring. You might be adventuring with more of a purpose. Um, You might be looking for other changelings uh, or you might be looking for your family or your history or, you know, some clue about your past. Mm -hmm. You might be out there trying to gather new personas that you can use later or you could just be having a bunch of fun. Like it's fun being out there when you know that you can basically do what you want and it's very hard to catch you. Um, And then I think the other the other one that's often overlooked for changelings um, is that changelings are often recruited as agents they are often like mission-based operatives they are actively spies with a boss and an organization standing behind them like you can just be an agent on a mission like your mission could be go with this adventuring party and do the thing yeah or all of you could be agents and like hey guess what you've been assigned a changeling you are all really lucky right exactly (laughs) this is going to be so much easier for (laughs) y'all All right, in terms of classes, with your plus two charisma and plus one to dex or intelligence, Bard is an obvious choice. You're a natural-born storyteller. You're charismatic. Um, A Bard who can change faces uh, to get away from repercussions or even to be a better storyteller is like a perfect Bard. Mm -hmm. Um, Warlock and Sorcerer are also good fits because you've got the charisma bonus, but there is some overlap with some of the abilities. Yeah, like warlocks can get um, disguise self or alter self at will, but that kind of means like, what's the point of being a changeling? Yeah. Uh, although subtle spell is amazing if you're going to be a sorcerer. Right. You can you can pull a lot more shenanigans that way. Yeah. Uh, rogue is an obvious natural fit with your abilities, especially with reliable talent, because you're basically never going to fail a deception check when you're impersonating somebody. You make a competent fighter, wizard, or ranger, uh, but keep in mind that you don't want to be weighed down with heavy armor, right? Like, if you're in plate armor, it doesn't matter if you change your face, you're still going to be in that plate armor for the five minutes it takes to doff it. Right. Uh, Same thing with large weapons. You probably don't want to favor things like a greatsword, because where the hell do you put it when you've decided to turn into a wizard or a peasant? Exactly. Um, So, kind of following along that logic, then, Monk actually makes a good... Uh, choice for a changeling because you don't require gear um you can easily you know become anybody and be perfectly competent 
with nothing in your hands. Yeah, and anybody can wear a tunic. <laughs> right. Uh, in terms of in terms of combat, think about what persona you might be using, uh, and always keep in mind that you want to be careful not to expose your identity to enemies who will remember it. Right? If you're going to kill everybody anyway, it's probably fine. So I think changelings are probably going to default towards trickery first, um, and then violence second. Uh, why fight them if you can turn your enemies against each other? Like, why do your own heavy lifting? Yeah, like, just commandeer the uh, other team's meat stick. Right. Uh, and, you know, make use of confusing tactics. You can switch identities while you're in cover, right? Run, run behind those boxes and then turn into somebody else, maybe even some of the people that you're fighting and impersonate their voice and give out new orders. Do right. Whatever, right? Or just, it's it's weird to have your enemy run behind a box and then the person who runs out the other side is like an old man who like is just escaping and isn't part of this or like is a warehouse worker. Like, wait, that's, like, that's not my enemy. I don't understand. Very fleet of foot. <laughs> right. And now this old man is running at me and oh, oh, he's stabbing me. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of skills, of course, deception is your bread and butter. Always take it. Always invest in it as heavily as you can. And then... Uh... You also want like insight, persuasion, stealth, you know, all the skills that kind of make it easier for you to manage your forms and be better in those forms, um, accomplish things uh, towards the ends of changing. That makes sense. As for magic items, the probably the first thing that you want is uh, gear that changes shape or form or color uh, so that you don't have to change your clothes every time you get a new identity. Uh, there's like glamour weave. Um, there's uh, I think glamoured studded, studded leather. There's all kinds of things. Even even like common items like uh, the plate armor that you can like take off with a bonus action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also very helpful to have uh, not even necessarily magical, but some identity papers. Right, the provenance necessary to prove the identity that you have assumed is yours. Right. People may not necessarily believe their own eyes sometimes, but they will definitely believe a piece of paper that's been notarized. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you'll want a real disguise kit so that you can foil magic. Uh, like Things like True Sight will see right through your shape-changing abilities and show that you are a, a changeling, but it can't see through a fake nose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course... The one thing that can always betray you is your own mind. So any items that will help prevent thought detection or um, give you, you know, advantages on any type of mind reading attempts uh, will be useful. Uh, so to wrap this up here, Shane, have you ever played a changeling? I have not. Um, we have one in our um, Eberron campaign right now, though. Uh, Switch, which is a good name for a changeling, uh, that Susie is playing. Uh, right now, who has alternated uh, different identities in basically every single city that you have gone to. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the main result of her playing, is that she has been different people in every city. Right. Like, oh, they know me here as this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, also, and she secretly does traveler stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in 4th edition, I played uh, a changeling uh, who had a bird theme. His name was Finch, and he was a warlord and an artificer, and he had a wizard persona named Petrol, who like would sometimes be a quest giver back in town, and then also a bard persona uh, named Piper, and 
that would come out sometimes and you know piper would give performances and things like that so like a, a pretty consummate becomer mm-hmm. all right do you hear that ishan that's one piper's piping i suppose because she you know didn't have simulacrum yet <laughs> okay <laughs> yet well let's move on to the character creation forge and hammer out a new identity for you but before we do that let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us we do love hearing from you you can tweet at shane at mundangerous that's m-u-n dangerous and you can tweet at ishan at evil sense carne that's malice minus meat and you can tweet at the show at tptcast you can also email us at totalpartythrill at gmail.com and you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com we're also on facebook and instagram at totalpartythrill and join the conversation on discord it's not just for memes anymore but it's also still for memes. <laughs> There's a link in the show notes. Hey, my name is James Intricasso, and I'm the host of Tabletop Babble, which is a role-playing game discussion podcast where I bring on awesome industry guests like Matthew Mercer, Ruth Tillman, Wolfgang Bauer, Cat Cool, and so many others. We talk RPG news, give advice, laugh, argue. It is a fun time, just like you'd have at a convention or local friendly game store. Check out Tabletop Babble at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. All right, so this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the American. Yishin, what is the American? Uh, well, inspired by the show The Americans, which is a show about Russian spies who pretend to be um, regular old suburban Americans in 1980s uh, DC, I think, which is outside yeah. DC. Have you uh, have you seen this show? I actually have not seen the show, but people it's, talk about it all the time. It's very good. It's featuring uh, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, yeah, yeah. Oh, Felicity! I uh, know Felicity gets into so many shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's it also is, it like, is one single timeline. I think she is a straight up monster in combat. <laughs> really, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I mean, you figured right from watching <laughs> yeah. Felicity, right? You think she's gonna steamroll people? <laughs> Like I no, I saw somebody write the wrong name on her latte. I know how she could be. <laughs> it is the um the Felicity expanded universe. I like yeah, exactly <laughs> like it's the continuing. All right, so our American now is a consummate spy who can take on multiple identities, uh, who can be whomever the job requires them to be. All right, so what is the build? It is Mastermind Rogue Eleven, Knowledge Cleric Six, Way of Shadow Monk Three. So Rogue will get a 66 sneak attack and, of course, the great package of cunning action, uncanny dodge, evasion, four expertises. Uh, you got a lot of options. Deception, obviously. Consider persuasion, insight, stealth, perception, etc. And then eventually you get reliable talent, so you will basically never, ever, ever fail. Then Mastermind Rogue gets the Master of Tactics ability. It's the main reason to be here. Um, lets you use the help action at a distance as a bonus action. It's a good way to cultivate assets, right? Just mm-hmm. give a little bit of advice. Uh, you also get proficiency in the disguise kit. Again, important in case people have uh, magic that can see through your shape-shifting. And the forgery kit so you can make your own fake IDs. Uh, you get more languages and you'll be able to mimic speech patterns and accents after just a minute of observing someone so that if you need to take somebody's identity after you take them out, it's very easy. Right. Then from Cleric, we'll get third level spells, so useful things for spies like Cure Wounds, Bless, Hold Person, Guidance, you know, just 
utility spells to make sure that you can do the job. Yeah, I like that if you got injured, you duck around a corner, cure wounds yourself, and now you're a different person who doesn't have an injury. I'm definitely not that old person who was injured. Well, that's actually one of the interesting things on the Americans is like every once in a while they do actually have to get into a fight. And, you know, like when you come home with bruises and a black eye, like you kind of have to explain that to your teenage kids. Yeah, it's like the Bruce Wayne Batman problem, right? Like right. if if Batman gets stabbed, Bruce Wayne has also been stabbed and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah, well, that never seems to come up in Batman. I don't know. A uh, whole person also is great to hold somebody in place for one minute, which I believe is just long enough to study them. <laughs> very carefully (laughs) or to you know like take their form and have the meeting that they were supposed to have yep um also you want to grab their id (laughs) their driver's license is helpful two more expertises and several more languages and then we're here for the channel divinities the first one at level two uh you get a to any tool or skill proficiency for 10 minutes which is excellent when you are impersonating someone who knows how to do a specialized thing that you do not know how to do yeah Uh, turns out i'm an expert forger (laughs) And then uh, at level six, you get detect thoughts, which you can cast with the channel divinity. And when it ends, you can uh, turn it into a suggestion spell. Very handy for a spy. Also, I just said forger, but I meant blacksmith. Forger is a different thing. (laughs) (laughs) You'll uh, you'll add it in. It'll be fine. Monk, we are here uh, because you want to be able to fight if you have absolutely no gear. You get martial arts, unarmored defense. Floria blows, you can spend a key point for patient defense, and your shadow arts will shore up a lot of holes in your abilities. With two key points, you can cast darkness in case you need to do something stealthy. Dark vision in case you are impersonating someone who already has it and you don't. Right. Pass without trace if you need to walk around very quietly, or if you're in the right place and you need to do something very quiet, just cast silence. So in terms of leveling order, we're going to start Rogue One, naturally. Uh, Then we'll take a level of Monk, two levels of Cleric, and four levels of Rogue. Uh, Then let's finish out Monk, then finish out Rogue, then finish out Cleric. So, Ishan, who is your American? My American is, uh, in Eberron, a spy for the King's Dark Lanterns in Breland. Okay, Uh, She was, of course, recruited at a a young age because they love changelings. So he's working in Sharn, though? Uh, Well... Was originally working in Sharn, and of course is sent out on missions sometimes uh, with adventurers as, you know, an undercover agent. Sometimes she is working with other lanterns. Mm-hmm. However, on one particular mission to Karnath, um, she was made and turned into a double agent. Mm-hmm. And decided, you know what? I really love the spying thing so much. I think I'll also be a spy for for Karnath, and then then she went to seek out seek it out, and went to Ondare and and tried to enlist there, and said, you know what, uh, I would also like to be a spy for you. However, all of these nations think that she's working for them. She just has a she has multiple personas. All of them are spies for different countries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who was she ultimately working for? Mm. <laughs> Whomever at the moment, or maybe maybe the party itself, trying to save the world. Maybe all of these different personas are actually genuinely working. Oh, yeah. Own, right? Oh, I was foiled by my arch rival, me. Me, exactly. <laughs> if only I could get out of my own way. <laughs> all right, what about your American? Uh, my American is actually a uh, a Lazar Prince. I like it. Uh, sent um, 
you know, like, uh, I know that like the Lazar princes aren't actually, or like Lazar principalities, um, aren't actually like true noble lines that are, um, necessarily like a single inherited kind of thing. Although um, they can be, but some of them are. Yeah. And so like, I, I feel like this is the, uh, like, uh, maybe like a third or fourth daughter kind of uh, mm-hmm. very low on the list for heirs. Probably like options were go run a ship um, for the principality or like go off and do foreign relations, right? Um, and that is kind of the role that she has taken on uh, is, is there to integrate into the upper echelons of society and try to um, help forge friendly deals, kind of like uh, almost like a friendly insider uh, to help with negotiations um, for merchants and, and different um, different people representing the Lazar principalities to make sure that they're kind of getting sweetheart deals out of um, the Breland or, you know, on dare the, the different nations that, um, that they, they deal with. I like the idea that maybe she sometimes turns into uh, a different buyer to like up the price. Oh yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> so, sometimes it's, Oh no, no, no. I know. I know like, my family has some merchant ties and like, I know the best people to escort your ship, sir. Let me introduce you to my, uh, to, to somebody I've been working with for a long time. And other times it's like, I will not let you hire those ships. I have a better bid. They are the best in the business, sir, and you will not be hiring them today. You'll have to cough up a great deal of gold if you think you can swipe them out from under me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then other times it's like, you know, seduce a powerful magistrate to get a government contract, whatever. It's a living. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then sometimes it's go out on an adventure with this random group of people because they sure seem like they're going to have a, you know, a powerful artifact or some good intelligence or some type of state secret coming around shortly that will be valuable to the principalities. You know, uh, Thrain, I don't think, makes uh, a lot of use of changelings, but I bet... um the what are they called it's that group that uh, goes out and gets artifacts for use by the silver flame i bet they could make good use of changelings oh yeah probably <laughs> if <laughs> only just they could the trust means. them <laughs> um, hey, we sent out a group to go get artifacts and it turns out these these like brelish dark lighters were the ones who got them how did this happen huh uh, actually, so you talking about Lazar actually also reminds me another fun thing you can do with with uh, changelings or uh, an interesting backstory is um, like uh, succession in terms of heirs. I kind of like the idea that yeah, you're a fourth daughter, um, but you're you're illegitimate, so you're a changeling and no one else's. So you kill the first heir and take their place. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that see. I actually I liked that idea. That was sort of what I had first, but that makes a worse adventurer. Oh, sure, right? yeah, because yeah. Because they would be sitting in the Lazar principalities. Good instead NPC. Of out and about. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. All right. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing our series on different campaign settings, and we will be talking about Band of Blades. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building the Mercy. Well, that's it for episode 216 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. 